0: Hello, and welcome to the Talking Techniques podcast. Brought to you by Biotechniques, this show brings you the latest from the frontiers of the life sciences, straight from the people exploring them. I'm your host, Biotechniques digital editor, Tristan Free, and in this episode, we'll be exploring some pretty cutting-edge research into the interplay between nerve and immune cells and the role they both play in cancer development and the tumor microenvironment. Coming up, I'll look at how tumors impact immune cells to do their bidding.
1: So the macrophages that are recruited to the tumor microenvironment, are secreting these factors that promotes the um, cancer cells to go specifically to neurons and in- invade those neurons specifically.
0: How nerves can help cancer cells spread?
1: They do. They do go inside the neurons. So the neurons has multiple layers, multiple sheets, and the cancer cells has the capacities to uh, invade nerves and crawl along them.
0: And I skirt a little too close to science fiction. Tumors with brains. Um, but <laughs> maybe one day maybe maybe Um, I mean I hope oh, not. Oh, <laughs>
1: not
0: yeah to help me do this is Moran Amit principal investigator at the Amit lab and assistant professor in the department of head and neck surgery at the MD Anderson Cancer Center Moran it's great to have you on the podcast
1: hey Tristan good morning thank you for having me Um, I'm really happy to be here today and speak about our science
0: fantastic well I'm really looking forward to getting into it Um, So to kick off, Moran, a lot of cancer research is focused on um, sort of tumors and the cancer cells themselves. Um, But the primary focus of your research is the region that immediately surrounds the tumor um, and is sort of understood to support its growth. Um, So that's referred to as the tumor microenvironment. Uh, What are the key um, cells that make up the tumor microenvironment? It's a great
1: question. So basically, we'll look at the tumor microenvironment and as the tissue that, like you were saying, surrounds the tumor cells, is what's left after you're removing all the cancer cells. You can look at it um, composition from um, embryological standpoint, um, according to the different lineage, um, endoderm, ectoderm, mesoderm. But I think that a better way to look at it would be from the functional standpoint, according to the function of the cells. So. It really depends on what tissue you're looking at and what kind of tumor. But um, for instance, in the realm of head and neck tumors, we have all the major components of um, fibroblast, endothelial cells, immune cells, and of course other cells like um, adipocytes and myocytes and neurons as well.
0: Um, and how do each of these um, sort of cell types probably most importantly, the, the immune cells and the, the nerve cells, um, how do they support the tumor?
1: So again, traditionally, uh, people used to look at it from the physiological function of those cells, um, which was and still is um, very true for most in- instances. So like you um, were mentioning, the uh, tumor immune micro, uh, microenvironment, which is composed mostly of immune cells, um, we're looking at the tumor as a non-healing wound, in which you have two different directions, pro-tumorogenic and anti-tumorogenic immune cells, and they're carrying their physiological function, either to support or fight the tumor. And um, in many instances, we see that they're actually are not confined or limited to their physiological function, and their role goes beyond it. Um, and by that, I mean how immune cells actually not carrying their classic traditional immunological function and how they promote invasion, specifically into nerves. When angiogenesis, this hallmark of cancer was incepted as a concept, people were looking at it as a route for supplying the tumor with nutrients and evacuating toxin. and and toxic material. But we know that those endothelial cells, beyond just being vessels, they have a lot of other roles to promote tumor growth directly by influencing the cancer cell. Same thing with fibroblast, and same thing probably with other components of the tumor microenvironment, like adipocytes.
0: So, what are some of those extra roles that a um, a blood vessel cell may may, may carry out um, on top of just sort of extracting extracting toxins and then and, and providing oxygen?
1: So, there are many studies that show that those endothelial cells, for example. Directly affects the invasiveness of the cancer cell and directly affects the um, metabolism of those cancer cells. And I think that the most interesting point, since it's such a complex, you know, atmosphere, we're not just looking directly at the dialogue between cancer cells and the different components of the tumor microenvironment. Many times it's it's a trialog, or even more than that. There are like four cells that are interacting with each other. So we see many times an indirect influence of those tumor microenvironment components on the cancer cells via a third player, for example, endothelial cells that are involved in recruitment of immune cells that actually promote or fight cancer.
0: So, and the the cancer cells, they, they go beyond manipulating those immune cells to just ignore the cancer and they actually... They manipulate them to, to start helping the cancer. Um, what, what is the function that they carry out there?
1: So the immune cells, once they're recruited, actually you might be surprised, some of them are pro tumorigenic and some of them are anti tumorigenic So some of them actually fight cancer. Some of them actually kill the cancer cells. And some of them are actually supporting you know, the cancer progression and invasion. And uh, what I did again from my PhD at Professor Gill's lab um, was looking at how subset of immune cells, specifically macrophages, promoting the um, invasion of cancer cells into nerves. And that was like a new concept. We knew that um, cancer cells actually has the capacity to disseminate along nerves to distant organs and make those tumors in many in many cases inoperable because of that. That means that we as surgeons cannot remove them. But we didn't really know what the mechanism is, even though we have a lot of indications that this is highly orchestrated. Um, The interest finding that was uh, found initially by Professor Gill is how do they do it? What factors they're actually secreting to promote this specific phenomenon beyond the, the general invasiveness of the tumor cells into the adjacent tissue or the blood vessels? What drives them specifically to go to neurons, advance along neurons, and survive within neurons.
0: Is it that the ca- cancer cells are attaching to the outside of neurons and then moving along them, um, along the outside, um, or are you saying that they, they actually physically go inside um, the neurons? They do.
1: They do. Um, they do go inside the neurons. Um, so the neurons has multiple layers, multiple sheets. Um, and there's the epineurium and the perineurium. And the cancer cells has the capacity, specific types of cancer, which we call neurotropic cancer. Those are the ones that has the tendency or the inclination um, to uh, invade nerves and crawl along them. And we see in many cases that they actually not just go underneath the sheet and travel, but they actually go all the way between the axons, between the actual nerve fibers. Think about it as like an electricity cord And and you go through the insulation all the way to the actual male wire, some cancer can do it and just crawl along those wires in a very orchestrated, very organized fashion. And
0: and you mentioned that immune cells were important in in that process. Um, So how do immune cells facilitate that sort of transition from um, the cancer cells in the tumor to being inside the uh, into the neurons?
1: So in order for this process to take place, so the cell has to be activated and the cell has to have this neurotropism, in which he has the attraction. Let's call it this way to the nerves. One of the factors that we found that is being secreted to stimulate it by macrophages is glial-derived neurotropic factor, which is GDNF. It's one of the. uh, It's a family of ligands that are involved in the nervous system development, and neurogenesis. It includes several factors. They all hit specific family of receptors, including the RET receptor and it's co-receptor um, GFR alpha one through four. So the macrophages that are recruited to the tumor microenvironment are secreting these factors, this GDNF that promotes the um, cancer cells to go specifically to neurons and invade those specific, invade those neurons specifically.
0: In terms of the um, the nerve cells and the the, the neurons, are, are they recruited to the tumor environment for this to happen, or is it a case of the tumor grows um, in a in a in an initial its primary location? Sorry. Uh, so, is it a case of the tumor grows in a primary location that is next to? Um, a nerve, a, a bundle of um, nerve fibers or a neuron, which it then invades, or, or does the tumor actively recruit um, nerve fibers and, and neurons towards that that tumor microenvironment for this to happen?
1: So this is a great question, and um, there are not a lot of studies on it. One, we know today that cancer cells actively recruit neurons to the tumor microenvironment, so it's a very similar process to angiogenesis. From inception throughout development and progression of the tumor, the tumor recruits microenvironment component to help and support its growth and progression. Vessels are intuitively one of them. And um, recently we have shown that nerves are um, being recruited to the tumor microenvironment as well. And the interesting thing about it is that we started seeing recruitment of nerves to the tumor microenvironment before the malignant transformation, when we have the pre-malignant lesion phase,
0: it's um it's really fascinating when you when you hear about it in these kind of terms of it being like angiogenesis of it in um, encouraging that nerve fiber to grow towards it, it it's kind of it sounds quite insidious almost. It's it's really like planning ahead, and and the fact that you're saying it's, it does it before it even reaches that metastatic phase um it's sort of like it's getting ready for when it's going to become metastatic and then it already has those pathways there for it um do you have an understanding of of how this kind of evolution would have happened i think with angiogenesis it's quite clear that if you're a growing um tissue you need vasculature to deliver your oxygen and and take away the toxins as we've we've mentioned. but with this, it's kind of, it's not necessarily something that's essential to the survival of the cancer. It's it's more, it's it's spread, which I would have thought meant that there was a delayed effect to that evolution. Do, do you have an, an, in, an inclination as to the evolutionary pathways of cancers that have led to this, um, this point?
1: Well, yes, but before I'll, I'll go to the mechanisms that are underlying this phenomenon of neurogenesis or tumor-associated neurogenesis, so we just want to address one of the things that you kind of suggested. So, um, the nerves actually are just, you know, growing for the um, tumors to disseminate along them. This is not completely true because we know that nerves are actively involved in tumor progression beyond being just a conduit for dissemination. And and this understanding is something that starts to be realized and, and generally accepted um, in, in the last decade, I would say, a little less than that. Um, One of the first evidence was um, Claire Mignon's paper in science back in 2013, in which she showed how the autonomous nervous system is critical for uh, both inception and progression of uh, prostate cancer. Um, And I think that um, intuitively nerves are being throughout our body they're controlling every aspect of our living like even now when we speak our heart rate our sweating our digestion salivation so it makes total sense that they actually can regulate other physiological functions that are being ran in the background for the tumor as well um so we're not just looking at nerves as highway for dissemination but we're looking at them as an active player in genesis and tumor progression. Now, going back to your um, questions, there are not many studies on how nerves grows into tumors. Um, one of the first study by Gustavo Ayala showed that there are several nerve growth factors like ephrine and Semaphorin, that uh, plays a role. Another uh, paper that came in Nature Communication two years ago showed that um, exosomes plays a role in delivering um, growth factors. Um, Again, Claire Mignon published a couple of months before us in Nature that um, nerve progenitors are actually traveling from the CNS to the tumor microenvironment, and um, they're being homed and stuck in the tumor microenvironment and developed as um, new adrenergic nerves in the tumor microenvironment to support it. And um, our proposed mechanism that was published uh, most recently uh, last year in Nature showed that microRNAs plays a role. Um, So um, there are, I would say, like two or three major themes in the literature on how does this happen. And I would say that it involves um, nerve growth factors, microRNAs, and neural progenitors.
0: Okay, um, so if the um, if the nerves are already being recruited there to um, sort of provide more essential functions, it's more likely that this is this, the dissemination across them has then developed as as another result of um, the tumor exploiting the things around it. So it's found that it's already got the nerves there to to provide it with um, the things it needs to to grow and survive, and then on top of that, it's then learned how to disseminate along it.
1: Correct.
0: Yep. Okay. Okay. Um, so when you, when you were studying these interactions and, and learning about the, um, the, the role that nerve cells play, play in the tumor microenvironment and, and that, um, and when you made that discovery of the, the movement of cancer cells into, um, into neurons to then disseminate along them, what, what were some of the key techniques that you used to make those, um, those findings?
1: So just to emphasize, the, the perineural invasion area of research existed before, so that we discovered it. And just, we uh, dissected the mechanism a little harder. Um, the techniques that we use mostly are uh, microscopy-related techniques and, and uh, tissue labeling, alongside with some in vitro um, systems that uh, we kind of optimized in our lab uh, the dorsal root ganglion, which will basically take ganglion from the spine of the animal, uh, mouse specifically, you inflate it in matrigel, you put the cancer cells around it, and you do um, video time-lapse microscopy in order to um, document the movement of the cells from the cancer colonies to the neurons. A lot of immunohistochemistry in order to, uh, you know, quantify the nerves and quantify, um, invade the nerves. Oh, and, and um, genetically engineered mouse models in order, of course, to uh, model the disease and try to um, inhibit or, or recapitulate the process in vivo. Uh,
0: and, and when you've been using those techniques, are there any um, sort of particular pitfalls or challenges that you've come across um, that you could sort of provide tips on how to avoid sort of going down the wrong uh, the wrong route or, or conducting, um, sort of the wrong type of, um, the wrong type of technique in a key area.
1: So since, uh, it's, it's not like a heavily studied field, uh, we had a lot of issues with, you know, how to quantify things, how to label. So one of the major obstacles were finding, you know, um, good labeling and good quantification techniques. Um, I think that the, the the field is kind of like starting to establish so i would highly recommend people uh just to look at the literature first to see what other people did and see if someone have already done something similar and and learn from you know other people's experience
0: fantastic um and, and you mentioned earlier uh, and forgive me if this, this is a bit of a silly question but the tumors can not only recruit and nerve cells towards them, but also start to produce their own um, adrenergic um, nerve cells and neurons. Is there a, th- a potential that they could be starting to develop kind of their own sort of not full-on central nervous system, but their own system of um, neurons that could coordinate and control other aspects of the body? Is that the kind of aim for creating those those nerves, um, or is there a, a simpler function?
1: So let me just correct you it's not that the tumor cells are turning into other nerve neurons it's um that they're recruiting new neurons that has other nerve features in there
0: ah, okay we so know, they're not I, they're not producing they're not they're not well, seed, as as seeding as as new know. ones that then grow
1: correct yes. okay okay so uh, there are no uh, there's no evidence that they're actually transitioning um i think that the thing that was closest to that but still the authors didn't say that was uh, Hermione's paper in which he um, showed that progenitors are actually traveling from the CNS the subventricular zone in the brain to the tumor microenvironment. But still, we haven't seen transitioning of cancer cells to neurons, even though we do know that they have, or some of the cells have some level of stemness, and we know that the neurons in order to switch Phenotype into our energy, it has to go through some sort of stemness. So I think we haven't explored this, this region enough yet, but, but I cannot clearly state that there is such a transition as of now.
0: Okay. Um, I think probably that was uh, me, me reaching slightly for the sci fi side of, uh, <laughs> of it tumors with brains. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so um, maybe one day. Maybe, maybe. Um, I mean, I hope not. Uh, I hope not, yeah and um so in terms of the um so your exploration of the the mechanism that sort of facilitates this this transition um uh fr- from the uh, from the tumor through into the um into the neurons um what, what do you think the sort of clinical impact of this is for um sort of cancer therapeutic development i think there's a
1: huge impact well at least potentially um once we figure out the role of nerves in tumor inception, progression, um, and dissemination, we can easily target that because today we have those agents to modulate the nerve, not the nerve function, but the impact of of neural transmission. Uh, We're using those every day uh, for high blood pressure drugs, for example, beta blockers. Uh, They've been in use for almost a century. Uh, we really well established toxicity profile. Uh, we know exactly the dose of regimen. Um, and if we'll figure out that they actually play a role, um, not only beta blockers, agonists, antagonists, of adrenergic, polynergic, uh, um, or somatic nervous system will be able actually to target those in addition to conventional therapy and maybe increase the efficacy and, and eliminate some of the toxicity of the conventional um, current cancer therapies in those tumors that actually
0: are neurotropic, are attracting nerves, are growing the long nerves. Um, I- and, and which, which cancers do you think this will be most beneficial for? So you, you've mentioned it's the, the cancers that are, are likely to be neurotropic. Um, do they sort of fit within a set? They mostly head and neck cancers or are they sort of throughout the body?
1: No, actually the, um, the the most commonly described are prostate cancer and pancreatic cancer. So the first is very common. The second is very deadly. So you know, there's a lot of room for to make a clinical impact. Of course, head and neck cancers. Um, gastric cancer, breast cancer, all those has been described to have uh, perineuron invasion first, you know, in the tumor microenvironment. So, um, all of those cancers um, has a lot of room for clinical um, action and targeting the neurons and improving the care of, of patients and quality of life um, as well. Not, we're not on looking only in survival, because. You know, those nerves doesn't just um, um, support the tumor growth, but they mediate other things like sensation, pain, and and function. So if we can block, inhibit, slow down, or even reverse this um, aspect of nerve growth into the tumor, we can make an impact in all of those fronts um, as part of cancer therapy.
0: You, uh, you raised a good point actually which I hadn't covered yet, which was what is the impact um, when this process happens once, once you get the, the cancer cells invading the, the neurons, what, what's the, the impact on the um, effectiveness of, of those neurons? What's the damage done there?
1: So the, the impact the immediate impact clinically is that we know that patient with invasion into nerves has worse survival. They just they die faster. In the head and neck field, me as a clinician, when we have patient with perineural invasion, for example, this is an indication to escalate the treatment. Two similar patients, one with perineural invasion, one with out, they have the same tumor, same size, same extent. The only difference is the presence of perineural invasion in one and the absence in the other. This one is going to get radiation therapy and the other one's not. So this serves as an indication for treatment escalation as well. With regard to the function of the neurons, in the field of head and neck, for example, when we have invaded neuron, many times we see that this neuron lose its function um, and it can translate clinically into numbness, numbness in the head and neck region, which is uh, very uncomfortable for the, for the patient, or even facial paralysis we have tumors that grows into the facial nerve that moves our muscles, facial mimics, it just paralyzes the nerve. Clinically, as a surgeon, uh, this invasion makes those patients many times inoperable. So you have a tumor that starts here and you can easily cut it out, but if it crawls along the nerves to the skull base and invades the brain, that's a whole different Scenario that requires a completely different surgical approach or other approach. Any of those patients are are ineligible for surgery, unfortunately.
0: So it's a it's a really difficult issue to overcome. That kind of spreading and dissemination along along the neurons, and and from what you're saying, it sounds like once that's happened, it's it's very difficult for a patient to overcome that. Um, if you could ask for, for one thing to um, to improve your research into um, into these mechanisms and, and to better understanding this these pathways, um, what would it be? And if that could be literally a, a fantasy piece of tech um, or a sort of a, a, a key insight, um, what would it be that you'd like to, to have to to help 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 with that next breakthrough?
1: A cure for cancer, so I can retire. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, but I think that, um, I think that we're getting, um, closer to uh, an era in which those spatial relationships are being recognized and well-studied. I think in nature methods, um, just announced that the method for 2020 was the spatial transcriptomics. Um, if I have one wish, scientifically, of having the best people, which I already have and uh, just keep growing, is um, to to have a good good technique that allows me to capture those neurons and the adjacent cells in the tumor microenvironment, which is well established, well validated, and um, quick to utilize, because many of those techniques as of now, are, requires a lot of like um, bench work, a lot of processing, and the quantification as of now is is I would call it experimental. It's it's um, it's not well established. Um, I think I think that in the pace that we're moving forward, you know, my wish will come true in about like a year or two because there are a lot of like good companies that are actually working on it um so labeling image acquisition and um uh, and image analysis those are the three components that we are not lacking but still improving on
0: fantastic um well moran thank you so much for joining me on this episode um and for giving us an insight into your work it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you
1: thank you so much tristan it's it was a great pleasure being here um i really enjoyed the conversation and uh if anyone wants
0: to join our lab, you know, I guess my email is going to be the right. Yeah, yeah, we can we can add your email in so uh, so people can get in touch.
1: We're recruiting postdocs, so
0: yeah. If you've enjoyed this episode, you may be interested in the rest of our in focus on immunology, specifically looking at its impacts in cancer research and COVID-19. You can find Talking Techniques on Acast, Spotify and Apple Podcasts or look for the podcast section on our website at www.biotechniques.com. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. Goodbye.